0: Hello fellow Kentuckians and other friends and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie and I am alone hopefully for the last week to talk to you about Kentucky government and politics. We you know, it, it is the beginning of the year. It is January 2nd when I'm recording this. So a lot of stuff's up in the air. It's the first day of the legislative session. The filing deadline is just a few days away. Um, and so and so you know, there's just a lot of incomplete stuff that we can talk to you about this week. But we're going to do our best. I'm going to do my best to talk to you about two major things that I think deserve some attention. We can at least get a head start on some of these discussions. And the first is about the filing deadline and who's going to be running for the offices in Frankfurt this year in the state legislature in the House and Senate and then also just a little session preview, some of the major things that I expect to be making their way through the legislative system here in Frankfort in Kentucky this year. So you know, without any further ado, let's go ahead and get started talking about those things. Okay, so Kentucky's deadline for filing for office is January the 5th. Again, I am recording this on January the second, so that is three days from now. So typically the busiest day to file is on the filing deadline itself. That's when you see, you know, up to half of the people who filed a run for office file on the last day to do so. But, you know, uh, we still do have a lot of people who have filed. We're likely to see a whole bunch more, but this we 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 do have a lot of people who have filed, and, and some of these races are starting to take shape right now. So you know, I wanted to talk to you about a few of the challengers throughout the state, a few of the democratic challengers. Throughout the state, who I find interesting, which I think will likely be, you know, be going on uh, across the state this year. So, I mean, first up, I want to talk about some of the the challengers in in the Louisville area. So, first of all, um, District 48, that has for the past several several cycles been uh, a matchup between Ken Fleming uh, and Maria Sarolis. So Maria Sorolis won that once. I think Ken Fleming won it three times. Uh, Maria Sorolis, Representative Sorolis, has decided not to not to take part in that race this year. We have a new Democratic challenger. Her name is Kate Farrow. She's a retired Louisville Water Company employee who, you know, cares a lot about state government. I had a nice conversation with her not too long ago. She seems very, like a very, person to be very good at the job. Um, and, and she's in Oldham County, uh, which, you know, uh, traditionally, the Democrat in this race has been from Maria Sorolis is from Jefferson County. Um, this is a, a, a seat that t- typically Democrats do quite well in the Jefferson County portion and, and do a little worse in the Oldham County portion. Um, you know, her being from Oldham County could potentially help there. So so that's, that's one of the races I'm I'm pretty interested in there in District 48 okay um the other one another one i'm I'm interested in is district 36 that is where john hogsdon is in his first term um and he's going to have a challenger in woody zorn so mr zorn has historical ties to kentucky politics his grandfather was the mayor of louisville the district did not have a democratic challenger last year due to some redistricting changes but jerry miller was a representative there before mr hogsdon this is in j town and east of that so you know that's it's it's you know southeast louisville it's one of the most republican parts of the state but or parts of the city, not of the state. Um, but it does include some pretty democratic areas, especially in, in J-Town. So I, you know, especially since Mr. Hogsman is only in his first term, a pretty, pretty good chance for Democrats if, you know, especially if it's a good year for Democrats to, to, to pick up this seat. District twenty-nine is where Kevin Bratcher is retiring, and, and we are going to see a primary in this district. The, the Democratic primary is going to be between Matt Fott and Ricky Santiago, at least. Again, you know, we'll see more people don't, don't file in, in the next few days here. Um, So, you know, Mr. Fott attempted to run for this seat in 2022, but he was removed from the ballot due to his party affiliation status. Kentucky has some really arbitrary and archaic rules about how long you have to have been filed for your party to be eligible and all this kind of stuff in order to get your party's nomination and everything. And so Matt Fott was actually kicked off the ballot because he'd only just recently become a Democrat, but whatever. Uh, He's on the ballot this year. And then Mr. Santiago, he is the president of the Puerto Rican Chamber of Commerce, and he's worked for the city. I I mean, and I think that both of these are, are are good challengers, good people to run in these uh, races. Um, I, I, it's a tough district. Uh, Kevin Bratcher. It's hard to say if, if it's a tough district because Kevin Bratcher is you know has been around there for a long time, but it is. It is um, it is a district that that has been in Republican hands for a very, very long time. So, you know, uh, this is this is like Fern Creek in that area. You know, Mr. Santiago being uh, a Latino like that could potentially you know, that could that's an area with a lot of Latino voters. You know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. It, It definitely could potentially be a very interesting race there in District 29. District 28. Um, that is where Jared Bauman defeated Charlie Miller in 2022. It's going to see Almaria Baker running this year in 2024. At least again, who knows, there might be more people filing in this seat as well. So Miss Baker is a teacher who's run previously for Metro Council and actually ran against Charlie Miller in a primary for the seat in 2022. She's a teacher professionally. She's a pretty interesting person. Uh, you know, I, I also think this is a this is a seat in Southwest Louisville. Um, you know, this is once you get far enough south, um, in, in Jefferson County, um, it isn't as black as many of the places in Northwest Jefferson County, but there's still it's it's still a much more diverse area, a more a very diverse part of the, the city. Miss um, Baker is black. Um, so you know that that could pay dividends that can make her a, a more, uh, you know, a, a candidate who's more. More likely to win this race jared bauman just being in his first term you know th- there's a lot of reasons to think that this could be a very good race um a, a pickup opportunity for democrats here in district 28. district 31 saw susan tyler witten win in i think what we can call an upset in 2022 um, she represents a fairly democratic part of town and, and if i were to have to pick like what is the most likely pickup for democrats in 2024 i would say district 31 the person running in this race is Colleen Davis. She's a lawyer with Thompson, Miller, and Simpson. She was clearly recruited very heavily by Democratic leadership. Um, I'm excited that she's running. She seems like she's given a really hard um, race, and, and yeah, I think that I think that she's got a good chance to win this race. So, so those are the Louisville area districts that I think you know Democrats have a good chance to, to flip. Uh, you know, that's that's five seats just in Jefferson County that I think are, are, you know, that are currently held by Republicans, you know, they've redistricted these seats to basically jigsaw (laughs) fit all the Republican areas of town into to different districts. But you know, I do think that it's tough to find five districts in Louisville that are, you know, that Republican. So I wouldn't be surprised if you didn't see a few pickups on that list. I don't know where they are, but I wouldn't be surprised at it. Um, Now let's move on to the Lexington area seats. I've only got three on this list. But I think there are three that are potentially going to be good races. So district 39, that includes much of Jessamine County. And it saw Matt Lockett take over for a long time Russ Meyer in 2020. So he's been there in that seat for you know, he's been elected to that seat for, for in 2020 and 2022. So he's in his second term running for his third. So so far, Ryan Stanford has, you know, Filed to run as a Democrat, you know he's already live with a website and and he seems like he has a campaign infrastructure. So it looks like this is somebody who's taking this race seriously. This is an area, you know, it's it's Jessamine County, which is a pretty Republican area, but it's got a Democratic streak. You know, Andy Bashir did pretty well in Jessamine County. Um, You know, it's it's a collar county. It's it's getting bluer as time goes along. So I'm really glad we're going to have a good challenger in this seat. I think it's you know it's going to be tough to pick it up, but I do think it's it's definitely a potentiality and definitely someplace that we have to have candidates running in in the future. District 45, that's been in Republican hands for quite a long time, but it's actually been pretty blue recently. It it is entirely in Fayette County. It is where Stan Lee was for quite a long time, but then Killian Timoney took it over. If you had to ask me who's the most moderate member of the GOP House Caucus, I would probably say Killian Timoney. There's a few other uh, people I would put on the list, maybe like Stephanie Dietz or something like that. But but I do think Killian Timoney is he, he, he's he, he's a good fit for the district's Republicans. I would say that Adam Moore, who is an armed services veteran and a project manager who's running against him. Again, I would say like in most districts, the advice I give Democrats is like you have to make this race about more than just the presidential race. You know, if people who are going to vote for Donald Trump are going to just vote for the person who is on uh, the Republican ballot line for your race, you're probably going to lose. It's the other way around for District 45. I think it, that the more nationalized the race is, the better off Democrats are in District 45. But it's a it's a pretty high education district. It is where people, um, you know, enjoy splitting their ticket. They do that quite a bit. Um, it's a tough race. And, and again, Killian Timoney, he does fit the district's Republicans pretty well, but it is an increase democratic district. You know, this is one where Democrats have to compete and you know, we'll we'll see what happens here in district 45 and uh, the next next uh, election here in November. District 56. So this district includes 3 three counties, more than that. I think at least three counties that are well organized by Democrats and Fayette, Woodford and Franklin, of course, like Woodford is where Versailles is and Franklin's where Frankfurt is. However, it's been really tough to beat Daniel Pfister who took over the seat once Joe Gravis left it to try to run for Senate. So this year, Densia, I think it's Densia Misha Branscombe is running for it. I, I don't know anything about her except for that she's from Frankfurt. You know, this has been a race where we have seen a lot of good candidates run and lose to Daniel Fister before. So I'm glad that we have a candidate. I certainly hope that this is the year that a Democrat is able to pull it out. Okay, so those are all the Louisville and Lexington area seats that I think are going to have pretty good races. There could be some more coming up here soon. But again, that's five and louisville and three in lexington that i think you know there's eight seats if we get an eight seat swing that would be pretty great right and then there's several other districts that already have people filed that i think you know are interesting to at least take a look at so district 25 includes much of elizabeth town it elected Steve Bratcher to his first term in 2022. So this year, Sherilyn Evett Smith, or Evette, I think, it's Sherilyn Evette Smith has filed to run against him. She's a former candidate for Elizabethtown City Council. You know, this is a, this is a reach seat for sure, but it's a seat that Democrats are going to have to compete in if they ever want to regain a majority. It's a good idea to run good candidates now. You know, who knows? You're never going to win if you don't run somebody in these these seats. And I'm really glad that we have uh, somebody running for this office. This District 25 on the House this year. Um, so we'll, we'll learn more about this candidate as we go along. Um, I, but I'm really glad that somebody's running in this, this E Town seat. It's one of the most densely populated seats outside of Louisville and Lexington. District 31 elected Mike Klein's to his first term in 2022, when Joe Fisher decided to run for Supreme Court. That's a tough district for Democrats, but it includes some progressive areas there in northeast northern Kentucky. So, you know, if you think about like the area along the river, you kind have, of have Covington, and then you have Newport, and then you have Bellevue, and then Dayton, and then I think there's one other little city. And, and that that's kind of how you go from east to west. And there's these small cities that are pretty democratic along the river in northern Kentucky. And and this district district, uh, District 31 includes a little bit of that more urbanized area, the more like the Cincinnati area the, the on the Kentucky side of the river um, in, in this district, along with a lot of rural area in southern uh, Campbell County. So you know, it, it's it's got a lot of good Democrats in it. Uh, it's tough for a Democrat to win, but you know, uh, it's good that, that these Northern Kentucky progressives have somebody to vote for. These Northern Kentucky Democrats have somebody to vote for. Brandon Long, he's an ordained minister and a teacher is running this year. Again, you're never going to win if you don't run somebody for these seats. It's going to be a tough one to win, but you know what? This is a district that's going to get more Democratic in the long term. So who knows when when it might flip? I don't think it's going to be forever, but I do think you know and, and it could be this year. So this could be Brandon Long's year. He seems like a really interesting guy. I hope I get to meet him this year, um, as as we move along in this election year. District 98 has had uh, Danny Bentley as their representative in Frankfurt for a very long time. This is Greenup County, uh, again along the Ohio River all the way to the the West Virginia and Ohio border, like the tri-state area. This is where a lot of my family is from. Um, Danny Bentley um, has he, <laughs> he's retiring this year, and that's a good thing for everybody. Um, at least two Democrats are vying for it: Sean Assar, I think is how you say it, Sean Assar, A S S A R. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. So he's a teacher, and then Tammy Womack who I believe is a lawyer. And I've also heard about a potential third candidate running in this race. Um, So, you know, again, Greenup County, this is um, a lot of ancestrally – Democratic area. It's a place where there's been a, historically, there's a lot of Democrats from this area. It's very Republican now. But you know, I think with the right candidate, the right type of person running in this race, you know, it's, it's got a good chance uh, to, to, you know, to surprise a lot of people, it's gonna be tough to win. But you know, it's always good to have somebody running a good campaign in a district like 98 that that has historically had a lot of good de- Democrats represented in the past there are a lot of other democrats running across the state in the house we'll talk about them next week which will be after the filing deadline has um left so we'll we'll talk about that um if there are more interesting people to talk about when when we get to it next week um i did want to talk about one senate seat at least and that's district 27 that's a seat where andy Bashir did quite well It, it stretches from lexington all the way up to maysville and then down to moorhead um Andy Boucher did really well in Moorhead. It was a pretty Democratic area in 2023. I think, you know, at least one other Democratic candidate one rowan county which is where moorhead is and and so you know it's good that we have a candidate here stephen west is the incumbent senator but molly crane who's worked in politics in kentucky for a while most recently she worked for emerge she's running for this seat and, and you know i think a lot of people are excited about her mounting a good challenge for this seat so that's the one senate seat i wanted to talk about where there already is somebody filed and then lastly i have a few seats i would love love to see somebody file in so i'll go over those for just a second house district 33 that is jason nemus's seat it's so hard for for democrats to win here uh, on paper it looks like a good seat but jason nemus has had a pretty strong lock on this i think he he made a lot of good name for himself by running as a pretty moderate person in the first part of his career but I think he deserves a challenge because of how far right he has drifted in recent sessions, especially as he's been able to shore up his district with a couple of other Oldham County uh, precincts and then some Shelby County area. That's very Republican. I think his his much more conservative true colors have kind of come out, but I think he is kind of coasting in Jefferson County on those more moderate coattails. It's, it's really hard to win. We've run some good candidates in this race in the past, and they've all lost. So I think they're having real, real trouble Um, getting somebody to run in this district. So I certainly hope that they're able to find somebody before the filing deadline here in a few days. House District 37 also in Louisville. This is Emily Calloway. This is a very Republican heavy seat in Louisville. Uh, You know, they reconfigured a lot of this South Louisville, very, very far south, pretty pretty much along the Bullock County line. it, it, it was jeff donahue's seat and it was more democratic in the past when they've reconfigured it to be very republican it's tough for a, re- a democrat to win in this district in in louisville but i think emily calloway is just so far out of line for for louisville anywhere in louisville um you know especially on the issue of abortion where she is just as about as far right wing as you can get on that issue i'd love to see a challenger to her uh emerge in the next few days Um, moving to Northern Kentucky house district 65. This is Stephanie Dietz. She's, you know, uh, Miss Dietz has been a decent Republican in the house. She's, she's been pretty moderate. She's worked across party lines, but, but Buddy Wheatley came within a few hundred votes of winning this seat. And and I think Covington, really deserves representation. You know, it's been a very, very long time, maybe ever. I I heard some people in northern Kentucky say there has never been a time in Kentucky's history where Covington hasn't had or somebody from Covington hasn't served in the House. Um, I don't think Ms. Dietz is from Covington. So, um, you know, Covington deserves representation. And I certainly hope maybe a Covington Democrat will run for this seat two Senate districts, I'd love to see somebody run in district 23, which is Christian McDaniel, also in Kenton County, also in the, the Covington area. He's been there a long time. But you know, northern Kentucky has gotten a lot bluer and a Democrat can win this seat. If they run a good race, it, you know, we, we did it, we gave it a really good shot last time around with Brian Alexia. But you know, I, I would love to see somebody run for the seat um, in 2024. And the last one I want to talk about is District 17, Senate District 17. That is Damon Thayer. He is hanging it up, so it is an open seat. Andy Bashir won this district. It's tough. But it includes some of Fayette County, some of, you know, and, and then Scott County, where Sherilyn Stevenson did pretty well, Grant County, which is very Republican, and parts of Boone County, which are pretty Republican. So it's a tough seat. But I think, you know, like I said, Andy Bashir won this district. So I would love to have somebody run it uh, this time in 2024 as well. So anyways, we'll talk more about these seats and, and more about the the <laughs> candidates running for office as the filing deadline elapses here this week. We might talk next week about some of the local government filings, maybe Metro Council and Lexington City Council, if there are any races that we want to highlight there. Um, But yeah, likely there will be a lot more people filing. I've already heard about several people um, throughout the state who are, in fact, running, really, uh, you know, likely running, but haven't yet filed. So we'll talk about all those maybe next week. The other thing I wanted to talk about this week was a quick session preview. So it is, again, it's January 2nd. Today is the first Tuesday after the first Monday in uh, in January. So it is the first day of session. Not a lot of actual legislating is actually going on. I think they voted on the rules package. And I think they just kept the same rules as last year. So not a lot of there might have been a slight amount of drama about some people who were opposed to the rules. But I mean, they passed. Um, And you know, I don't think that there's going to be any action on any actual bills happening today. We do not have a website live from the LRC yet at all so I haven't seen the text of anything except for stuff that's been released in the interim. So uh, you know, I don't really know I don't have any information about what has gone on in the session yet so far here in the first few hours after it started. But we do know kind of a few issues that we think are going to float to the top this year in in for the legislative session. So first and foremost, the thing we know is going to pass is the budget. Um, it's constitutionally mandated to be passed this year. And Andy Bashir has already given his budget address. He's already laid out his inge- agenda, which calls for more spending on childcare, more spending on teachers and more spending on school transportation. While these should be pretty popular initiatives, and I do think they will get a decent amount of Republican support. The real question to me is about how much the GOP is going to be willing to spend. So the GOP passed a tax cut in 2022's legislative session that set up a framework for continuous cuts to taxes year after year, so long as certain triggers are met. But one of those triggers was not met last year. And that was the state's spending, which was a little bit too high. So I think the GOP is going to try to set a budget that artificially keeps spending low. So despite the fact that we have the tax revenue to support more childcare, more buses for schools, more spending for teachers, Republicans may just send that to their savings account in order to keep spending low enough that they can trigger an additional tax cut. It's also worth mentioning that the state has a rainy day fund which has exploded and projections by the Kentucky KY policy or Kentucky Center for Economic Policy um, expect to grow even higher in the next few years. So it's not an issue of do we have the money to pay for more childcare? Do we have more money to pay for transportation? Um, it is just about keeping our spending lower in order to trigger those tax cuts. So so that's the budget. It's going to be a big issue. It's a lot of stuff that's going to happen, so we will keep an eye on it. Louisville Republicans also pushed a public safety bill last year. It got ridiculed by a bipartisan group of people. You know, a lot of Democrats talked about how draconian and awful a lot of these things are. But Republicans, uh, especially some more liberty minded Republicans, were very wary of the wiretapping portion of the public safety bill that the uh, that the Republicans were pushing last year. So they have made some modifications. I mean, the biggest thing I think was that they pulled the wiretapping provision out and made that its own bill. But in the state it even exists and now it's quite draconian. It represents what what I consider to be a hard pivot away from the criminal justice reforms that Republicans have acted open to in recent years. It's going to be really hard to stop this bill. I, I think it's going to pass in, in some form or fashion, but it's my hope that some of the provisions around, especially around criminalizing homelessness, and especially around just the, the disproven three strikes method of, of policing and, and adjudicating crim, criminal behavior, hopefully those can be moderated quite a bit. I mean, I, I saw one of the sponsors of this bill talk about you know housing issues and being like, if they can't... If they want to camp, they can't do it here. They're going to have to go somewhere else. I don't exactly know where people are supposed to go (laughs) if they're already camping on the street. uh, You know, (laughs) they don't have a home. That's kind of the problem. So I I don't really know what's supposed to happen here. But that is what what the bill says. So um, we'll see what happens with this with this bill for sure. It's likely to be a pretty significant piece of legislation this year. Several session previews I've seen in the media also hyped a version of a red flag bill which would remove guns from people in crisis. The red flag bills have been you know talked about off and on for quite a few years. Um, it's being pushed this session by Whitney Westerfield, who's a Republican leaving the Senate after this year. David Yates is the Democratic sponsor as well. It's got a lot of opposition, a lot of opposition. But, you know, maybe it'll get a hearing this year with a Republican sponsor, especially one who's the chair of the Ju- Judiciary Committee. Uh, you know, we'll see if anything happens here. But, you know, I don't have a lot of hope for, for, you know, gun reform here in Kentucky. It, Despite the fact that we had a mass shooting this year that took the lives of you know, five people in downtown Louisville, I just you know, the Republicans in Kentucky just really love guns. And it's really hard to deal with that situation for sure. The last major issue I think I want to talk about is is education and and most education advocates I have spoken to expects that the Republican Party will push a constitutional amendment to make their funding plan for charter schools and potentially for a voucher system to be legalized. So I have said this before even on the show, but. I don't think that this is a good idea. I think it's a pretty serious mistake by the Republicans. Now, nobody asked me, (laughs) and 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 it's pretty much the case that Republicans don't take my advice uh, (laughs) ever. uh, But but you know, I just don't see this being a good move for them. I think that the Republican leadership in Kentucky really just fundamentally misunderstands their own appeal to Kentucky voters, which is strong, like they do quite well. But I just think they really think it's like we people don't like public school. And that is not the case. Most people across the state love public school. They think schools are really important. And uh, I just think this is a losing issue for them. I know that they've got a lot of funding, they've got promise of a lot of funding to, to, you know, campaign on this, if it does make the ballot, which in order to pass as a constitutional amendment, it has to pass in the legislature. And then it has to pass the states. um, It has to pass in an election by the voters. I do know that they have a lot of money lined up to run this campaign. But I just don't think people like vouchers. I don't think people like charter schools. And so, you know, maybe it'd be a good thing to get Democrats out to vote. (laughs) I don't know. Um, It will it it will probably make its way through the legislature, we will watch it, we will see what happens with it, we'll see what the text of it says, um, and, and if they pull any tricks there also. The last education issue is that JCPS is going to face some sort of scrutiny this year. They do every year. The The major, the Louisville public school system faces a significant amount of scrutiny every year from the state in Frankfurt, but, but transportation issues at the district early in this school year meant more fuel for the fire for the Republican initiative to break up the district. That seems to be their long-term goal, I guess, to split it into like a... More urban and then more suburban district. I don't think that they're going to go all the way to actually breaking it up this year, but I expect they're going to take a few steps in that direction. What steps they are, we haven't seen. Again, I haven't seen any legislation um, posted online yet. I mean, there's some reports trickling out about what is being filed early in the session, but no details at all. This is likely something we will see some form or fashion. Again, I don't think they're going to break up JCPS this year. They could. I don't know. But I don't think they will. I think they will. Promise to study it, set up some sort of commission to look at it or something like that. So, you know, I don't know, the, the Republicans are going to do a bunch of stuff this year, I think most or all of it will be bad. So get ready, buckle up, uh, the session is underway. And the next few months, we'll be talking about that most of the time. Jasmine's going to be back next week. So that's exciting. Um, but that is all I had to talk about this week. So you know, if you want to get a hold of us, you can do so by finding us on Facebook and Twitter at my old KY pod, you can, you know, subscribe to our patreon for as little as a dollar a month you know we're we're out there we're doing this show for free for you so check it out if you can um and then you know last but not least uh, oh yeah you can sign up for our newsletter at, at tinyletter.com slash kentucky newsletter it doesn't come out ever but maybe it will in the future who knows and uh you know last but not least we're part of the forward kentucky network all right everybody thank you for listening and we will see you next week